Welcome to the 8% podcast, where we talk to game changers, disruptors, people who excel in their field, the top 8%. Uh, This week, I'm speaking with Nadine Champion. You guys have probably seen her TEDx Sydney talk. If not, I recommend getting on that and checking it out. Um, Nadine is a fighter. Uh, As a martial artist with almost 30 years experience and an undefeated a full contact fighter, Nadine's learned a lot about inner strength and she's translated those lessons learned in the ring to academic and professional success. And she's even used them in her fight against cancer. Her passion and profession is teaching internal training, which focuses on strengthening the mind. Nadine believes that success in any area often comes from learning to believe in yourself and trusting your ability to deliver under pressure. Isn't that something we talk about a lot? As a woman in a male-dominated field, Nadine has valuable insights into bringing out the unique strengths of men and women, allowing them to be their best and reach their goals. Um, She holds titles in both Thai boxing and kickboxing and remains undefeated in all her fighting disciplines, which is crazy. Um, (laughs) Hey, Nadine. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Listen, look, your story um, is pretty phenomenal. Let's start by talking a little bit um, about your background. How did you get started in martial arts? Uh, I have an older brother, and when I was in primary school, he used to get bullied a lot. And uh, my parents thought it would be a good idea to put him into martial arts classes. So I went along and I was allowed to watch. And luckily for me, he hated it. (laughs) And I got to jump in his spot after a lot of begging. My parents didn't really want me to do it. But um, I couldn't wait. I thought it looked amazing. And the first day that I ever got to train, I was uh, very flattered. The instructor came over and and asked my mum what sort of martial arts I'd done before. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and he said that I was a natural and I, I couldn't believe it. I was I was blown away. I was just really happy to be able to jump around and hit things. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> so what was it that made you want to be a fighter? What, what kind of took you from going from being, you know, sort of martial arts to really wanting to fight? It took me a really long time, actually. I really liked the martial arts side of it, the art form. Yep. Um, I didn't really want to climb in the ring for a really long time. I was, I didn't really imagine myself as somebody who would do that. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit scary to me and um, I love the beauty of the martial art rather than what I perceived as just the violence of, of fighting. So I was quite scared of it as well. I didn't want to get hurt and um, it took me a long time to get used to full contact training, let alone fighting, um, just having come from a non-contact martial arts sort of background. So it took me a long time to kind of get my head around the idea that maybe I could A, do it, B, would like to do it, and C, could handle doing it. Yeah. So it took ages for me. But um, I watched other people fighting around me, and I saw the way that uh, they grew from it and they changed, and it made me wonder if I could maybe do it one day. And in the end, that, that wondering turned into a need to do it. I totally. I had to find out what that felt like. Totally. I mean, I think that's something that happens to most martial artists. I um, I did taekwondo for, God, four or five years. Um, got up to sort of my probationary black belt before I I stopped, and just because the business went crazy and it was, mm. I had to focus on one thing. But I know that it it sort of it gets to a point where you start to think, I wonder if. 
I wonder if I could win that fight. I wonder if like, you know, putting yourself to the mm-hmm. test like that kind of becomes a thing where you're like, like, I know, okay, I know I've got a black belt. I know I'm okay. I know I'm pretty good. I know what my instructors are saying, but I wonder if I could actually like, could I win? Mm. I used to do Taekwondo too when I was a kid. and Right. Um, so that's what I started in. And I, the problem that I ended up with, which I've seen in a lot of martial artists over the years, is I have a black belt. Could I win a, a street fight? Exactly. And I had that little doubt in the back of my mind, especially I'm only five foot six. Mm-hmm. I'm a little lady, you know. So I was sort of wondering, well, if that big guy over there came at me in the street, would my martial arts help me, or what would happen? I wasn't sure, and that's part of what I talked about in my TED talk. That, yeah. you know, when I was uh, 19, I got into a, a really dirty street fight where I couldn't really use the martial arts skills that I had. And um, it caught me off guard. I was quite shocked by it in a way. Mm, totally. Um, just because it was such a rough and tumble, very fast, very dirty fight. It went straight from um, push and shove to eye gouging. Wow. So I was – that really – it really affected me and my perception of myself. I thought I was a black belt and I could kick some butt. And then I found out that there was a very, very dirty side to fighting that I was still a teenager. I didn't really understand it yet. Mm. Um, so I carried that doubt with me for a long time and eventually that I think that's part of what made me want to be a fighter. I thought, well, it's it's beautiful to have the martial arts skills and when I was younger, I didn't really understand the difference between the art and the reality. Mm. Some things are, are there for, they have some practical skill but they're maybe not your go-to moves if someone tries to beat you up in the street. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I ended up also with Sensei Benny, my teacher, because he made very clear what was for um, the art form and the martial art and the dojo, what was for the sport in the ring of full contact fighting and combat sports, and what was for real life, the most effective, fastest moves to, to use. So when I had that laid out for me, it made me wonder how I would fight in the ring and if I could handle it. That's awesome. So... Um, you've been through, I mean, I think most of the guys on the call have seen your, um, your TEDx talk, um, and you've been through some pretty incredible challenges. Let's talk a little bit about that and how your experiences as a fighter prepared you to face them. Yeah, I've been through a few things, like most people in life. (laughs) Um, I didn't really realize as I was learning some of these lessons from my teacher, how important they'd be later in life. Um, I was very lucky to have a teacher, as you said in, in the introduction, who taught internal training. So he wouldn't just make us do 100 push-ups. He would explain to us uh, how to finish the 100 push-ups, like what's what to access within ourselves emotionally and mentally to get us to the end. Um, you know, and then he would he would talk to us about why it was important to finish afterwards. And I see it every week in my classes. I teach martial arts and kickboxing and all kinds of things in the gym every week and I watch people struggling with uh, how to make themselves do the thing that they want to do or that they need to do. I think a lot of people um, struggle with weight loss and that kind of stuff in the gym and they know what they should do but they struggle to make themselves perform it or mm. connect to why they why they really need to. I think it's a very, very common battle and I think that especially with the internet now, there's a lot of information out there about what people should do so it's not hard to find out and I think there's a real um, there's a real lack of understanding in the world, uh, that, at least in my world right now, about how do I 
access my strength yes. and my courage and, and behaving and making decisions that will serve me, you know, that are in my own best interest and I've struggled with that over the years as well. So I've been lucky to, you know, to have someone in my life in the form of a, a really good martial arts teacher who really made sure that I, I grew as a person and, and tried to understand uh, when I did something well, why it went well. When I did something wrong, why did it go that way? What was it in me that led me down that path and what do I do about it now? Mm. Um, and I guess that was the same sort of lesson for me in fighting. Um, you know, facing a challenge and getting myself through it and then later on in life, you know, especially I think when I had cancer, that was the the ultimate battle for me, um, you know, and I, I really did use so many of the lessons that I'd learned in my training and in the ring, um, you know, I learned so many, any, so many big life-changing lessons in those situations that when things got really hard, I felt like I at least had a toolkit. Yeah. You know, I had some skills to be able to draw on to just force myself to do the things that I had to do, you know, like go and have chemo and radiation and watch my hair fall out and you know, how to just get through those things and I'm, I'm not saying it was easy but, um, no. you know, I felt at least prepared like I had some tools to draw on and, and some uh, mental skills to help me Yeah. as opposed to just feeling feeling lost. Yeah. Look, I want to talk a bit more about that, about the how to make yourself do the thing because I think that's something that we see a lot in our industry, particularly helping business owners. You know, entrepreneurs have got to do a lot of things that are scary. And I think one of the things I definitely saw in martial arts, and I started martial arts about the same time I started my business. So I saw a lot of sort of parallels mm. between the two. Um, and, and, you know, for business owners, it's picking up the phone and making the sales call, which is petrifying. Nobody wants to get on the phone and be rejected time and time and time again to get the sale, to make the money, to pay the bills. Like it's it's rough and it's a difficult thing to do. And I think there's a lot mm. of what I call on, particularly on the internet, on Facebook, with all the memes that go around, a lot of what I call struggle shaming. Um, where people are like, well, if, if you're in flow, everything will be easy and it'll be fine and sort of shaming people for, for feeling that struggle. Right. <laughs> right. Right? I know. And it's just yeah. like I'm just always like life is tough sometimes. That's yes, namaste. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. That shit happens sometimes and that ability, that internal ability to make yourself do the thing you don't want to do, to drag yourself up and do it, is it's so crucial to everything. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's it translates from from fighting to business through to getting up in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's a, a shared experience by everyone in life. Absolutely. Um, so What's like your formula for making yourself do the thing? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? It's really simple. You just do the thing. Right. <laughs> you, just, you just start. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people, they get stuck in thinking about doing the thing and not wanting to do the thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I found the best way is to practice. Yeah. Do the thing that you don't want to do a lot. Yes. You know, and that's the hundred push-ups. I don't want to do the the twelfth push-up, let alone the ninety-seventh push-up. Yeah. You know, like after after about three, I'm good. I've done enough for the day. <laughs> Let's go home and have a beer. I'm I'm pretty sure the ninety-seventh one is just going to feel worse than the third one. Yeah. But it's it's the thing that you do, say for me in training. You know, there are a lot of things I've had to do over the years on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis that 
you know, that were hard and challenging and weren't going to be fun and weren't going to feel good and no one was going to clap at the end and, Mm -hmm. you know, it was probably going to involve a little bit of pain mentally or physically. But the thing with, with feeling those feelings regularly is that you learn to feel them and then do it anyway. Awesome. So if you're if you only are uncomfortable once a year, of course it's going to be much harder for you to follow through and do the thing that's difficult. But if you're uncomfortable all the time, you get used to being uncomfortable and you get used to going, okay, the next 97 push-ups are going to suck, but this is the bit where I just turn the volume down on that and do them anyway, rather than stopping on the third one and thinking about how hard it's going to be and you know, how I, I can't stand that I had to do this last week and, you know, I I think that people just hesitate too much. They get caught on, on the, the feelings that come with the difficult thing yeah. rather than just going, this is going to be difficult and then doing it. Stop it's the starting. About, stop thinking about things so much and just start. Exactly, yeah, you know, <laughs> or, or think about them. So just pop them down on paper and then start. Yeah. You know, don't don't waste. I, I catch myself doing it all the time. You know, I, I'm super busy at the moment I, and I sort of laugh watching myself, you know, reorganise my sock drawer and <laughs> instead of just getting on with the list of huge stuff that I've got to do, I've been laughing at myself all week doing it. Oh, I really do need to do that thing over there. That I, and I'm not normally a procrastinator, but it's just funny watching the you know, the, the games that we play with ourselves. I could mentally. engage in my great life's work or, you know what, it seems like I haven't done the dishes in at least three hours. Oh, I just did them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really do need to polish my cutlery. Yeah, I mean, we, we all do this stuff with ourselves and, you know, I guess the I just try at least now to call myself on it and kind of have a laugh at myself and go, come on, sit down again, do the thing, start right now. Don't get caught up on Facebook or don't get caught up distracting yourself. Just acknowledge that you're distracting yourself yeah. and get back to the most pressing thing. Or do the most uncomfortable thing first. Mm. Don't do the other nine things feeling uncomfortable because of the tenth thing's coming. Yeah. Do the tenth thing first and then work backwards and enjoy the other nine things. And I love that idea of making yourself uncomfortable more often. I think that's great. The yeah, more- I love that. Yeah. Sorry, huh? yeah, no, the, I think the I love that picture. I see it all the time, and I send it to people. You know, it's that that dot where it says this is your comfort zone, and then there's the circle outside the dot that says, you know, where all the good stuff happens. Yeah, totally. That idea that you know, when you're uncomfortable a lot, all this cool stuff happens. But if you stay inside your your comfort zone and only do the things that are easy and that you know you'll be good at. You know, then you'll have the same experience. It'll be the same comfortable experience, but you'll have it over and over and over. And I know from being uh, really sick, you know, it really woke me up and mm. it made me want to be uncomfortable. And for me, that's what 2015 is all about. It's about making my heart beat faster and doing things that are uncomfortable and awkward and I don't know if I'm going to succeed. And that was what my TED Talk was about. You know, it was literally, I'm going to go and see if I can do public speaking. Mm-hmm. At the opera house. <laughs> no, I'm going to be like. I'm not going to start small. I'm not going to start small. Let's start at the opera house. <laughs> yeah, why not? And I'm going to I'm going to be the closing speaker after some really notable, intelligent, articulate people, and see how that goes. And then I'm going to just do something really uncomfortable. I only thought of doing the um, doing that board break about a week before TED. Yeah. 
and I thought, you know, that that's the thing that I probably least want to do is challenge myself <laughs> to live my lesson publicly in front of everyone. But that's probably the thing I need to do most because it scares me. See, now, I love that attitude. And I know I kind of got it from, you know, personal development stuff that's like um, uh, that, that if I can't, I must is something that really got belted into my head over many years of personal development stuff. Where does it come from for you? Was it like, mm. was that something naturally that you were just like, you're somebody who challenges yourself to do things that make you uncomfortable? Or is it something you had to find? Uh, I think that I have always needed to challenge myself to grow mm-hmm. um, just because I, you know, I had some challenges when I was growing up and I knew that I didn't want to uh, just accept my lot in life. I wanted, um, I wanted to be more than I felt like I was going to be. So I always wanted to grow and, and sort of push the boundary a bit for myself but once I did reach a place of being comfortable and happy and good and where I felt like I'd uh, kind of gotten to where I wanted to be, it was very tempting to stay there mm. and just settle into that safety and never rock the boat. Yeah. But um, the cool thing about life is that just when, when the sea gets calm, a wave comes. <laughs> you know, yes. like you don't get to stay in your comfort for that exactly. long because things happen, you know, and it's how you respond to them. If you, if you try to calm the ocean straight away, you know, you'll, you'll waste a lot of energy trying to keep things the same, but sometimes, you know, sometimes it's fun to surf. You just got to go with the, you got to go with the wave instead of trying so hard to stabilize the boat. And, um, you know, I think that some of the coolest stuff that's ever happened to me, I know for sure some of the coolest stuff that's ever happened to me happened because I, I thought, oh, I wonder, I wonder what would happen if I jumped on that wave. And it's the wondering that that kind of gets me. Like it's that little gnawing in your in your stomach, niggling feeling where you you catch yourself wondering. Like you were saying, I wonder if I could have that fight. I wonder if I could do public speaking. I wonder. I wonder. You know. And when you do start wondering, that's when I think the waves start to come. You know, the the disruption happens, and uh-huh. you can either try to to squash the disruption, or you can go awesome disruption. Oh, I always say that, like, when you make a decision about something, you know, when you make a big decision, when you're like, all right, I'm going to do a thing, typically the universe will throw something horrible at you. It's like, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, you're going to do the thing? All right, here we go. Here's a wave. Let's see how badly you really want it. And it just seems to be like yeah, ongoing pattern I've seen in my life, in my clients' lives, in the lives of, like, anybody who's an achiever. It's just like this constant cycle of, of you make the decision to do the thing and then everything goes to hell. <laughs> Yeah, and that's where real growth, real, real growth happens. Exactly. I believe. You yeah, know, like totally. if you're if you're just stabilizing the boat in your comfort zone, then um, you know you'll be safe, but you won't grow very much. And I know for me, you know, the real challenges I've faced uh, on purpose have helped me grow. Mm. And when I've face planted really badly in my life, that's <laughs> the time where I've had to rebuild, and I've grown exponentially. Yeah. You know, so often from the worst stuff, whether it was Things that I caused in my own life, or things that happened to me in life, um, those have been the times where you know you're face down on the canvas and you you've got to make a choice to get up. And you can either get up and try to go back to being who you used to be, or you can get up and go be someone else. 
that actually and, uh, beautifully dovetails into a question Jenna sent me that she wanted to ask you, um, which I was yes. going to keep until the end, but it just perfectly fits in here. She wanted Poor to know, Andy. right? You just you segued beautifully. Yeah. It's like you have in front of you. <laughs> she wanted to know if you've ever been at a point in a fight where you knew you were losing, and if you have been, did you? How did you turn your mind around in that moment? Ooh. You know what, I was quite lucky in my fighting career that I was very well trained before I stepped into the ring. Right. So I can't say I ever felt like I was about to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely felt like I wanted to go home. Right. Um, <laughs> like I'd rather be having a pina colada somewhere on a beach <laughs> on holidays. But um, I think my for me that moment is... Not so much this person's going to beat me, mm-hmm. but I'm so tired and uncomfortable that it's battling that feeling of wanting to give up. Yeah. So I never actually gave up, but oh, I wanted to. You know, it's it's that moment. It's a very strong feeling in me, and I was more afraid of that feeling, to be honest, in a fight than I ever was of my opponent. Mm. You know, I was more afraid of myself and what I – I, I think of it as that when the weakness in me comes up, like that side of me that goes, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do the other 97 push-ups. I'm too tired. I, you know, and I've been in fights where I've felt my a bone in my hand break and Jesus. and that kind of thing, and, yeah. and just known that I had to carry on. Mm-hmm. But it's that when that stuff in me has surfaced and I've thought, I I can't. I don't want to. That really hurt. I'm so tired. How am I going to finish this? Um, you know, I've really had to confront. Uh, the voice in my head that could see me lose. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, my sensei taught me that fighting's, you know, 90% mental. If you've got the physical skills, you have to have the mindset to go with it because I think a lot of people do get tired or they get knocked down or things don't go their way in in competition and then they start looking for a way out. Mm-hmm. So... People, even when they get knocked down, people very rarely get knocked completely unconscious yeah. in fights. Like they very rarely get knocked out, but they often get knocked down and the ref will come and save them. And, and the ref won't necessarily make a call based on the fact that they can't continue. The ref will often go over to them and ask, do you want to keep fighting? Mm. And if they don't answer or they don't put their hands up, the ref will often stop it because that's that fighter's way out. Yeah. It's like a pride thing, like they get they get saved in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, so I've I've felt that feeling come up in me where if that person knocked me down at that moment, where I would have had to confront my own desire to stop, mm. as opposed to having it go horribly wrong. But my horribly wrongs all happened in the gym. Right. Um, you know, the, there's a concept where, in training for a fight, if you train hard, the fight is easy. So I used to put myself in pretty hard situations in my training because I didn't want to have those moments of self-doubt in the ring. Right. So I used to jump in there with heavyweight world champions for sparring <laughs> sessions and, you know, like the meanest guy I could find. And, you know, and, and since then, Benny made sure when I was younger, you know, I tell that story in my TED Talk about how, you know, he put me in the ring with, with his best fighter mm. and asked the guy not only to to make me realise that he was way better than me, but to make me realise that, you know, on that particular day, the lesson he wanted me to learn was 
about not being affected by someone else's behaviour. So he asked that fighter to, um, you know, make me lose, but also laugh at me while I was losing. That's so nasty. <laughs> it, it, it was very nasty. And then after I got out of the ring, he told me he did it on purpose. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I mean, I was, I can laugh about it now, but at the time, my feelings were been, very hurt. By oh, you would have been furious. I couldn't Absolutely. believe it. I was really angry. and. Yep. You know, and as a martial artist, I I've, I took pride in my skills and my yeah. ability to hold my own, and it made me feel like I was very young at the time, but it made me feel silly and like just a little kid in comparison to these these people that I respected. And um, you know, I really wanted to feel good about what I was doing, and I didn't want anybody to laugh at me. Like no one wants to be laughed at. But what I hadn't yet learnt was about trying to shield myself emotionally from other people's reactions to what I did. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so he threw me in there and he could see that, you know, this was a lesson that I would need to learn in life and, you know, any time – he was always – since I've been, he was always trying to get me to shine more, you know, yeah. like turn your light up and, and don't don't become less than you are for other people so that they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm super special but, you know, we've all got skills and talents and, you know, we all have a battle within ourselves to – to know how to be in the world, I think. Yeah. Especially in relation to others. So, you know, he was always trying to get me to be my absolute best and he knew from having been a, an undefeated world champion himself that, you know, when you when you do perform at your best, there are often critics and people will, you know, offer their opinion and it just happened that he had uh, this particular fighter offer his opinion all over my face and then, <laughs> you know, laugh at me. So he knew how to tap into that very raw emotion for me and, um, you know, the great thing about it was that it did have, make me have big feelings and he got me to address them and, and realise that, you know, you can't change other people's reaction. All you can change, change is the way that you feel about it That's and the way that you behave in, in response. Totally. That's so perfect. I've got actually one of my clients is on the call and she and I were having a conversation the other day. Um, we were speaking about uh, Ronda Rousey and she was saying, oh, you know, be, you know to be a to be a fighter, you need to be really aggressive. And I was like, look, there's a certain amount of truth to that. Like I think particularly as a woman, it, getting into martial arts in the first place, there's some level of you that's a little bit, you know, interested in, you know, kicking things and punching things. So there's that. But that in my experience, like if you're going to get into the ring angry or scared or emotional, like that's going to be a problem that really facing off against somebody requires that level of really ultimate sort of discipline of emotional control going on. Um, so like I'd like to hear your opinion on that and about how you do manage your emotions, like your fear and your aggression and stuff. Yeah, I mean it's all about controlling your emotions under pressure. Yeah. You know, and so much of my training, uh, Sensei Benny's system of martial arts and ring fighting is called Yukito Khan and he, he talks a lot about the fact that Yukito Khan is all about learning to control your emotions under pressure. Uh, and that's what we do in training all of the time. As soon as you get good at something, he'll make you do it backwards. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, he he made me do my my uh, martial arts black belt grading test wearing boxers hand wraps, the, the pieces of cloth yeah. that you strap around your hands. And at the time I said, oh, you know, Sensei, do you want me to take these off? And he said no because they're, they're for boxing, not for doing karate. And yeah. I was thinking, I don't understand this. And they, they kept falling off and distracting me and he didn't give me any time to take them off. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand until years later that he was just trying to throw me off my game. <laughs> 
Because we knew that I could already do all of the moves and the skills, but could I do them with something bugging me? Could I do them when I wasn't sure why this thing was happening and, and being distracted? So it's all just about that uncomfortability again, mm. you know, being deliberately uncomfortable and then having to focus anyway. So I think that, you know, being in the ring, anything can happen in there. You know, it very rarely goes to plan. Yeah. Um, things go wrong. Ten seconds into my first fight, I threw a kick and the girl did at the same time and I fell on my butt. <laughs> you know? awesome. I was like, that, that wasn't meant to happen. No. <laughs> um, and instead of being embarrassed and worrying what people thought and, you know, getting emotionally caught up in that or getting angry, uh, you know, I just had to get on with business. Yeah. Get straight back to what I was doing and it's just about, I call it resetting. So I train people every day and, you know, often they'll make a mistake and the next three seconds, I watch them sort of look away and think about their mistake and mm. then come back and make eye contact with me. And Sensei Benny once, a long time ago, you know, he'd been training me for, for ages and he said to me, please stop wasting my time. Ooh. And I, I went, what? He's lovely, but he can be very direct. And yeah. I, I was, I said, oh, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you mean. And he said, I'm here connected to you while we're training you keep disconnecting and giving yourself a hard time and beating yourself up because you're not doing perfectly. He said, you're wasting our precious time together. We live in different countries. Mm. He's like, don't waste my time. Don't waste your time. Don't waste our time beating yourself up and being emotionally caught up in something that's not productive and helpful. Mm. He said, come back and be in the moment. Just reset yourself. And I do that with my fighters by just having them look at me and put their hands up. And I realize I do it in all kinds of things in my life, um, you know, cleaning the cutlery again. <laughs> I just, you know, we wander off mentally yeah. rather than being present in the moment and I think having cancer really taught me how important that is to not waste the precious moments of your life thinking and doing things that aren't going to be helpful uh, at the, with the task at hand. Mm, absolutely. You know, because life's short, you know, and we, if we waste our time, whether we mean to or not, we can't get those moments back. So... I know when I've climbed into the ring, being uh, being afraid or angry, you're right, not good things to be feeling. Mm. You need to be able to control your emotions. And, and Sensei Benny taught me that with a like a volume control. Like imagine on, you know, your old school stereo. I always picture, you know, an old school hi-fi kind of thing, like turning the volume down on, you know, if I am angry or frustrated because things can go wrong in the dressing room when you're warming up for a fight, you know, if, if I'm not feeling good or if I'm feeling afraid, I do get quite nervous. Mm. I'm a nervous weir. I'm always running off to the bathroom. <laughs> um, you know, if I do feel nervous, just turning the, like acknowledging those feelings, this is how I'm feeling, and turning the volume down. Yeah. Because I think when you try to pretend, I've definitely learned this in my life in the last few years, when you try and pretend that you're not feeling something, everything goes wrong. Absolutely. You I just have it, to bring it forward. Yeah, I, well, I call it leaning in. I like when you're feeling that uncomfortable mm. emotion, lean into it, actually feel it, deal with it, and like you say, reset quickly, like flick it off quickly. But when you try to run away from it, it gets amplified rather than diminished. Exactly. And yeah. I think that, um, you know, the more times you make yourself uncomfortable and experience those things and test the theory, yeah. you know, try to pretend it's not happening and see how you go, <laughs> yeah. you know. When we bring those feelings forward and, and feel them, no matter how uncomfortable they are, we can at least deal with them. You know, it's really hard to, to get the job done, whether it's in the ring, in business, personally in your life, if you're 
not facing the things that you actually feel because yeah. they just they weaken you from the inside out. They destroy you exactly. if they're potent enough. So I think those are the really scary things to feel. And if you do bring them forward and then turn the volume down, you can turn the volume up on the emotions that will help you in that moment. So Sensei Benny used to tell me to change my thinking and choose my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like I could do that when I was younger. I felt like my thoughts really controlled me and my feelings controlled me. Yeah. So I think fighting was very productive for me in that way in learning, okay, right now it's not that I can't feel scared, it's just that that's not going to help me to be the emotion that I focus on in this moment. Yeah. So I am scared but right now I'm going to focus on the fact that I'm well prepared. Yeah. That I'm confident that I've been doing this for a long time and Sensei Benny always used to ask me two questions before a fight. He'd say, how badly do you want it and what are you prepared to do? <laughs> Love it. And it used to, and he just get right in my face as he asked me this stuff. You know, it wasn't like a casual over coffee. So how badly do you want it? <laughs> yeah. This was a scary undefeated world champion man coming right close to me and saying, "How badly do you want this?" And looking me square in the eye. And I, I use that all the time. You know, whether it's in business or, you know, in facing something in my everyday life. You know, don't pretend that you want something that you don't really deeply want. Correct. And how, what are you prepared to do it, do to get it, you know? So it's, I talk a lot of, in my keynote speeches about, um, you know, goals and being prepared to move the marker on what you think of as being difficult. Mm. Because often, you know, when we go after something, whether it's a goal in, in work or life or the ring, we have the goal, but then things get hard. Like you were saying, the wave comes, you know, <laughs> like bad totally. things happen. Totally. So in those moments, we have to be prepared to be flexible with the challenge and move the marker of what's difficult. And, you know, it comes down to what are you prepared to do to go after it. And when I train weight loss clients, um, you know, I often find that people can, it's so easy to come to me in the gym and say, I want to lose five kilos. I want to be a fighter. I want, I want. Mm. You know, it's really easy to say, I want this so badly. But it comes down to what are you prepared to do? And, you know, I, I've I've been honest with myself about the things that I really am prepared to fight for in my life and the things that I kind of want it but I don't want it that badly. Yeah, absolutely. But I know when I really want something, watch out. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll suffer for it and that's, that's I think, the real indicator for people. Like you can do a litmus test of, of how badly you really do want to go after a goal and if you don't want it, let it go. Let it be a casual thing that you'd like to happen. But when there's something you really want, you know, like you were saying before about making the, the calls in, in business and being rejected over and over again, if what you really want is to get that sale or have a certain level of success, you have to be prepared to suffer for it. Absolutely. If you don't really want it, don't suffer. Get out of the game. Go do something else. Exactly. Exactly. You know, but don't traumatise yourself. <laughs> not easy and it's never going to be easy and I like this is I like I hear a lot from people um in business and you know clients will come to me and they'll be like there has to be an easier way and I'm like you need to destroy that thinking right now because that thinking is going to destroy you if you don't destroy it because there is no I mean there is an easier way go do something else yeah well that's right (laughs) that's right yeah don't do the hard thing right but if you want I think that people get stuck they get stuck halfway through they get stuck you know, I hear people say, uh, I always ask when I'm training someone, I ask them about how their life is, not just about how they feel about their body mm-hmm. or how they feel about the gym. Yeah. You know, I ask them, well, how do you feel about yourself on the inside? How do you feel about your job? How do you feel about the people who are close to you? Um, you know, how do you feel about where you live? 
because it's never just about the one thing. Ever. Yeah. So, no, you know, and so if you're, you know, if, you, if you're stuck in this thing, like there's got to be an easier way with this business thing that I'm trying to do, you know, you've got to ask yourself how you feel about it and, and why you're going after it. Because I hear a lot of people say, oh, I don't like my job. Why are you doing it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> like there has to be a reason and a payoff. And, you know, I think that a lot of us get stuck doing the same thing. And I've done this myself over and over again. We get stuck doing the same thing without really having a goal and without it being worthwhile. And we're just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Because when, you, when you're really going after something that means a lot to you, being uncomfortable isn't that bad. You'll be uncomfortable, but you constantly remember why you're uncomfortable. Yeah. And it makes it worthwhile. But yeah. I think a lot of people get lost in the why. Yes. They just get stuck in the doing and the feeling. They forget about having a choice. You know, if you don't like your job, there are other jobs. And, you know, it comes down to, I think now, especially having been sick, like all bets are off. Mm. If I don't like it, why do I feel this way? Is it something that's going to help me grow or do I need to change it? I love that about choice. That's something that that I try to hit pretty hard. I think a lot of the clients is that everything's a choice. Being in business is a choice. Not being in business is a choice. Like anything you want to do, you can do anything, but you have to choose to do it. Yeah, and I mean we make emotional choices. If If things are really hard, you know, you can either focus on how hard it is and tell everyone how hard it is and, you know, spend all your time and energy talking about how hard it is. Yeah. Or you can say, wow, it's hard and get on with it. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and I think I see it all the time in, in the gym and in people training for fights. Um, you know, it's going to be hard from the minute you start to the minute the fight's over. Mm-hmm. That's a hard road. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think when I'm training people in a fitness context, they're allowed to complain and they're allowed to say, oh, the, you know, I don't want to do that. It's so tough. And, you know, and we, we joke about it and we laugh. But, you know, I know a fighter they can't stop and complain in the middle of a fight. Yeah. They can't stop and go, wow, that guy really hit me hard or I'm so tired or, um, you know, that's not a helpful emotion. It's not going to get them where they want to go. Yeah. So I don't I don't humour that stuff in training. Cool. And, you know, when they're saying, I, you know, it's so hard, I can't do that the rest of these rounds. Or, uh, I'll say, okay, don't do them. <laughs> no problem. Go home. Right. Like, go home. You're done. Yeah. And they look at me like, well, wait, no, 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 I don't want to go home. Like, got to train. <laughs> okay, yep. so train. Don't waste your time focusing on how hard it is. It's okay to say, wow, this is hard. But don't don't tell me for 10 minutes how hard it is and then make me drag you through it because I can't drag you through the rest of the fight. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're going to do it, you've just got to focus your attention on, yeah, this is hard, but this is why I'm doing it. And when it comes to the crunch, the day that you have to deliver your presentation or pitch for the deal or have your fight, you have to have focused during your training or preparation for that event on the fact that you're going to do it and you're going to do it well and there's no way out once you're in it rather than having wasted so much time on how tough it was because mm. there's always people who want to sit around and talk to you about how hard things are. <laughs> yes, <laughs> totally. There's a million of those. Totally. I try to hang around the people who go, wow, this is hard and then they want to talk to me about what am I going to do with it and how am I going to get through it and here's what I did to get to get by and get stronger yeah. and even when I had cancer, Sensei Benny didn't want to talk to me about the chemo. Yeah. And he didn't want to talk to me about all the hard parts. He just uh, he asked what my prognosis was. Yeah. And then he said, all he said to me was, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> what are you going to do with having had cancer? That's amazing. I wasn't at the time. I wasn't through. No, I can imagine <laughs> at the time. <laughs> no, of course. 
Of course. I wanted him to kind of comfort me and and of say course. like, oh, you know, I'm I'm very I'm scared for you, and I hope you don't die, and you know, all these things that I didn't even realize I wanted. Yeah. I wanted to have a little pity party, you know, or at least connect about how hard it was. And for me, he didn't want to waste time connecting about how hard it was. He wanted me to look past it. He wanted me to look to the future. What are you going to do with this hard thing in the future? And I guess that's where I ended up on the Opera House stage. You know, what am I going to do with the hard thing? I'm going to talk to people about what I learned from it and I'm going to be very vulnerable publicly, which, you know, was was maybe not my standard practice before yeah. that and, you know, and see if I can be helpful to other people and, and grow myself instead of just focusing on, you know, rebuilding my life post-cancer. That's you know, amazing. I, I thought I'm going to grow big time. I'm going to try and grow as hard as I can. Um, that actually beautifully segues into into a question I wanted to ask, which um, a lot of our people who will be listening to this are people who would love, like will have as one of their goals to do a TEDx talk, to talk about mm. something that they've been through in their lives and that, you know, they want to inspire people and they want to have that kind of effect. So I was going to ask what your defining moment was, but you kind of covered that already. But um, I, I think the big thing of that, oh, my God, this is my great work, this is something I have to share, that can be a really overwhelming uh, um, idea to suddenly have in your head is like, wow, this is something mm. I have to share and to be vulnerable like that. So what did you do to get started? Was it straight on the Opera House or like what did you do to get sort of started <laughs> down that road? Uh, the idea was floated with me of, of doing a TEDx talk and uh, I you know I like them I find them quite inspiring so I yep. thought that would be an amazing thing to do and I was incredibly humbled and honoured to even be considered um, what did I do to get started I just started awesome it was that simple so I sat down you know I, I sort of went through it in my head a little bit and then I woke up at six o'clock one morning and I sat down on my computer for five hours and I wrote until I was done writing um, yeah, and that was on Good Friday morning, actually. I had an right. Easter egg while I, <laughs> while I did it. You know, um, so I just I just started and I just looked at what came out of me and I thought, what's the idea worth sharing? Mm. And that wasn't the idea that I ended up sharing. Right. But it evolved as a process and I just had to create that starting point and then talk to people. And in the process of writing and talking, it was like a sieve. It was like the yeah. uh, the idea filtered through, and I was left with it. And then the idea became clearer and clearer, and I turned the volume up on it. So as I went along, I realised my whole life, in a way, has been about facing the challenge. And I never thought of it that way before. Mm. But you know, the times where I've succeeded at it and the times where I've failed to face the challenge. Yeah. You know, it's that those are the things that have changed me so much and affected my life. And, you know, and I picked out a few bits where I thought, wow, I really did, I really did change the course of things for myself by addressing that particular fear or, or not addressing it, you know. So I realised in doing it, the thing that was most important to me right now you know, and I didn't realise how important it would be to other people. I've been quite shocked at the response, actually, that I've received, um, you know, from what I did say because I was taught, you know, in my Yukito-kun training just to try to turn yourself inside out and, you know, say what you really think rather than blaming the guy who laughed at me in the room. 
thing, look at, you know, why am I angry and why am I crying? Yeah. What is it in me that has brought this up? So in in getting ready to do the, the speech, I just started and I, I started to look at the reasons underneath and why does this matter to me so much and why is this a recurring theme and why is it so important to me that I want to share this particular message with people? Mm. And then, you know, the, the end part of the of the speech was, you know, there are all these lessons that I've learnt because I've been blessed to have a master in my life, you know, like a, a sensei who's taught me so many things over the years and I want to be able to share those things that I was lucky enough to learn with all the people who could get something from them but don't have to go through the pain of learning them. Yeah. You know, so I think that that's quite a unique experience to have had in life to be able to pass on some real wisdom from someone that I didn't create, you know, it was just given to me as a gift and because I've loved martial arts for so long, I was prepared to go and sweat and bleed to learn the lessons and be able to pass those on to people who don't have to get punched in the face to learn them. <laughs> um, you know, and then to be able to say, you know, like it's all well and good knowing these things. Like I read a lot and I talk to people and I have a lot of, you know, cerebral concepts and things that I know, but unless you, you know, put your money where your mouth is, doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything to be able to tell someone what to do. You've got to be prepared to to live it. Absolutely. You know, I think that's where a lot of us fall down. You know, we get inspired yeah. and we go and see a speaker or we read something or we watch a, a YouTube video and we're stoked for about a week. You know, and I've, I've got this new thing I read in this book and we tell everyone and it's awesome and then we forget about it two weeks later yeah. because, you know, a wave came along and knocked us sideways or whatever. So... Mm. I think what I'm really trying to do in my life ever since, you know, being sick and then doing the, the TEDx talk and, you know, where I'm at today is just about am I living the things that I know to be true for me? Mm -hmm. Am I living the concepts that I know are helpful for me? And I catch myself out all the time not doing it, you know, and I've got to give myself a break and go, okay, I know better and I've got to try to align my, my life and my behavior and the way that I treat myself with, um, you know, the best parts of myself because when I don't, that's when things fall apart. So I think, you know, anyone who is thinking about doing a kind of a speech like that, um, you know, I think the best thing you could possibly do is just speak from the truest part of yourself and the thing that means the most to you. I love that. I think one of the most courageous things, something I say often, the most courageous thing that anybody can do is like live in that truth and be like completely honest about what they're feeling and thinking. Uh, it's like the craziest, hardest thing to do in the world. I think that's what life's about, right? Like yeah. it's, it's terrifying to be that authentic and I've had moments of it where I've been fantastic of it, at it in life mm -hmm. and I've had moments where I've been absolutely pathetic at it, <laughs> you know, and I've, I sort of, I'm looking at that, um, you know, I've gotten a bit older and I'm sort of looking back a lot now more going, when I was at my best, they were the moments that I was prepared to be the most honest and when I was at my worst in life, when things went horribly wrong, usually it was because I wasn't true to myself. Mm whether it was I wasn't prepared to have the hard conversation and say this is how I'm feeling yeah. or when I didn't I didn't speak up and go, no, I don't really want to go do that, I need to do this or, you know, I think it's being brave enough to be honest with yourself and then be honest with the people around you, whether that's in a professional or a personal sense. Absolutely. Um, you know, even in the ring, you know, I've had to, I remember one time I was meant to fight someone and 
um, you know, I was so dehydrated. I hadn't I hadn't cut weight well. It wasn't a good situation. I, you know, everything that, that could have gone wrong had gone wrong, and I just had to, in that moment, say, you know what, I can't fight. Mm. This isn't the right fight for me today. I'm not well. I'm, you know, I'm, and I have fought quite sick before as well. Yeah. So I knew that it wasn't that I couldn't fight sick. It was just that I knew in my gut that that day was not the right situation for me, and I would be putting my health and safety at risk mm. in a way that was different to the way I would normally do it. So, you know, it's putting your ego to the side and just sort of being prepared to say, this is what's true for me today. Yeah. And when you do that, I think you get a good result no matter what other people think. But when I haven't done that before, things don't go well. Yeah. You know? Totally. So just, yeah. It's, I think it's braver to tell the truth and, yep. you know, I'm trying to be braver, I guess, these days. Absolutely. One of the things I say about uh, authenticity is such a buzzword that people love to use about everyone should be authentic. (laughs) But I think one of the things people miss about a word like authentic is authentic isn't just a positive thing. It doesn't mean just sharing the good times. It means also like being authentic also means being authentically an asshole if you're an asshole. It means authentically like. Well, that's the thing, right? (laughs) Yeah, I agree. It's just embracing. We all have that in us. Sure, exactly. does Does a thing called the I am concept. And it's about saying, I am this, yeah. I am that, I am, oh, here are my strengths and my weaknesses. Yeah. And I find that people really struggle with this. I get people to create a list of 100 strengths mm. that they have, 100 things that are just true about them. And it doesn't even have to be things that are awesome. It can be, I am punctual. Yep. <laughs> you know, um, it just things that are true. And a lot of people really struggle. Right. Like most people, if I say, tell me 10 things that are true about you, I hear a lot of umming and ahhing. Right. And a lot of awkwardness and it sets off a it sets off a, a, an awkwardness inside most people where it's okay to say what we're bad at and it's okay to be like, Yeah, I'm a bit of an asshole. Yeah. Or oh yeah, I don't do such and such well or you know, but if it's not okay to say, you know what, I do really well, such and such. Yeah, absolutely. And have people go, Yeah, you know what, you really do that well. That's awesome. I love that about you. Yeah. That's not a conversation we often have. But, you know, if it's like, oh, you know, I crashed my car again, I'm such a bad driver. Yeah, you're the worst driver in the world. (laughs) Ha, 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 you know. We operate on that level a lot and I think even within ourselves it's so common to, you know, to make a mistake and then spend the next five minutes thinking about it or the next five days going, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. You know, that was the wrong thing to do. That didn't go well. Beat ourselves up. But, you know, when you do something really well, it's I don't think it's common practice to spend the next five days going, I was so good in that meeting. Right. I communicated <laughs> so well. I'm so glad we made that deal happen because I really prepared and I'm very intelligent and you know like all Absolutely. of those things. I mean maybe people do I think like that and it's just not the way that my head works but No, I don't think most people do. <laughs> It's not stuff that we talk about, right? So totally. I mean, I, that's it's, I some, think... it's something I've been trying to reframe in myself because I know I have a tendency. I'll throw myself into any situation, but my big secret is to not think about it too much. And then, like you say, I'll spend um, the next I'll spend the next five days going, "Oh my god, what did I say? Did I? I can't believe I said that. Why did I say that?" And my reframe now has been to try to do anytime I feel myself starting to shrink into that. Oh, why did you say that? Is to answer myself, Leela, it's because you're fucking awesome. 
Why did you say that? Because you're awesome. Why did I go and do that? Because you're awesome. Who else would have done that? No one. You're awesome. Yeah. And try and reframe that. (laughs) And that comes across about you. I could hear that in your voice in the first second. I was like, wow, okay. (laughs) Um, But we are who we tell ourselves we are, right? Exactly. And it's all, identity is all just one great big story. My TED Talk, I, I did TEDx in Byron Bay in 2000. Oh, brilliant. 10, 9, 10, it was a few years ago, was about identity. Um, and it was very much about the fact that identity is just a story we tell ourselves about who we are. So it changes any moment you yeah. choose to change it. You become somebody else if you choose to be. If you're someone who feels like you're not brave, you can become brave in a heartbeat by deciding you are. And just starting. Yeah. And people go, I can't believe you did that. And, yeah, I mean, it's I'm, I'm still learning that lesson every day. You know, I catch myself out thinking things that aren't help, helpful and, you know, and I'm trying to be kind to myself and, mm. and choose my thoughts. And I've watched people, especially, um, you know, people that I've helped lose a lot of weight. Yeah. I've watched them completely become different people. And it's not so much about the outside. Yes, they lose the weight. Yeah. But it's about changing who you tell yourself you are and changing what you feel that you deserve and changing who you you choose to be in the world. And that's the only way to lose the weight in the first place. I dropped 30 kilos and it was exactly that. It was while I hated myself, (laughs) there was no way I could drop that weight and it wasn't until I changed who I was in the world that the weight went anywhere. Exactly. That's spot on. Good for you. And that's so so true. I mean, I I talk a lot about uh, I'm actually in the process right now of – um, creating an online course based around 10 seconds of courage and it's all about changing your changing your inner voice and learning to change your thinking and the practical ways to do that mm-hmm. rather than here is the theory be excited for a week it's here is how you do it and here is how you go and practice it because it won't take a week it takes time yeah. and this is how I learned to change my thinking by you know since they've been telling me these things and then saying go do this and do it over and over and over again until you feel differently, until you think differently. You know, so I'm, I'm creating uh, courses where people can actually have the practical skills to do it because, you know, whether it's just in their personal life, changing their thinking, or especially I think there's a huge thing at the moment, um, you know, let's say in Australia right now with, um, you know, I think Michelle Bridges is great. I think what she's doing with the 12-week body challenge is great, and I think mm-hmm. that's really given a lot of people a way to lose weight in the past year or two in mm-hmm. Australia. Um, you know, but I think a lot of people struggle with, okay, now I've got my meal plan and I've got my exercise plan. How do I make myself do it? Yeah. How do I stop, as you said, how do I stop hating myself while I'm doing it? Yeah. You know, um, so it's not enough to know what to do because you mm-hmm. can Google what to do totally. in about a minute. Um, and I think, you know, in a, on a base level, most people know how to take good care of themselves mm. with their health. Yeah. But it's that we struggle with how we feel about ourselves. So it's about learning the skills and the practical day-to-day skill that I can repeat over and over again until I feel different. That is where things fall down. And I guess with the weight loss stuff, there's a real – I think that's the missing link. Uh, that's the thing that I do with people uh, in my in my training with them is I'll show them how to eat and how to train, but most of what we do is the internal training. Here's yeah. how you change your thinking, because if they can't do that, you know they end up being one of those people who's lost a lot of weight but doesn't like themselves. Yeah. And I think there's a fitness culture that is out there 
you know, in the world where people are worried about the aesthetic and they're not worried about how they feel and even if they end up, you know, with what other people would consider, you know, um, cover model kind of bodies, yeah. they're busy looking at that little inch of fat that they don't like or they wish their teeth were wider or they're going to get filler put in their face here and, mm. you know, it makes me really sad to be honest because, you know, they're not focusing on all the all the strengths, all the I am, I am really fit, I am someone who's disciplined and works hard, they're focusing on I am someone who needs filler in my face or I am someone who needs liposuction. Yeah. You know, and it's so easy to get trapped in that thinking, whether it's about your body or about your job or about how you feel as a person, um, you know, instead of focusing on your strengths. So I try to encourage people to, to do this list of 100 things, um, you know, especially if they have kids, write a list for their kids as well yeah. so that their kid has 100 things that they know are cool about them. Yeah. Um, you know, and if there's a weakness there, go, you know, I am someone who is not punctual. Yeah. So that then they can they can bring it forward and they can say to people, you know, when we're having a meeting, let's make it 9:45 instead of 10 a.m. because I'm someone who's not punctual and I'll try really hard to be on time. But if I'm not, I apologize. You know, like bring it forward. Yeah. Rather than, you know, getting getting upset because that person got mad at you because you were late for the 17th time. Like address it, bring it forward, make it something that is that you're not ashamed of. You know, that people can't hurt you with bring it forward and make it something that you're well aware of. But here are these ten things that I'm awesome at. Is it, <laughs> you know? I don't know if you've seen there's a Game of Thrones quote that I use a lot with my clients that I'm going to, like, butcher badly because I didn't put it in front of me. But, <laughs> but, but Tyrion, the little dwarf guy, says this thing. He's talking to Jon Snow, who's, you know, the bastard son, and he says to him, never forget what you are, Jon Snow, because the world will not. Clothe yourself in it and it can never be used to hurt you, um, which is just like this whole statement I love is that by owning that shadow, that dark side, the stuff about you that's not as positive, it can't be used against you and it can't be something that's used to hurt you if you're the one who's owning it. Yeah, exactly. And people will try and use things against you. And I've had, it's been interesting. I've had a very challenging year this past year in a lot of ways. And uh, I've really had this become uh, a thing where I, I got to see, you know, some things that weren't positive and some really hard, challenging situations and then had people use them against me. Oh, God, yes. And the thing that I learned from it, rather than looking at that situation now and being caught up in the negative parts of it, the thing that is such a truth for me now is, you know, like you said, clothe yourself in it. Acknowledge the good and the bad, the light and the dark. Be exactly who you are. Yeah. And I don't mean that in an unapologetic, rah, you can't hurt me because I'm such an asshole, rah, you know, kind <laughs> of way. But, but be like, here's what I'm good at. Here's what I'm not good at. Here's the things I like. Here are the things I don't like. Here's my lot in life. Here are my challenges. Here are my strengths. You know, and if you embody it and are, are open to talking about it, at least then it's healthy. It's mm -hmm. when you're not open to talking about it that it's not healthy. Unfortunately, our recording dropped out right at the end of that interview. Um, we were just about done with the content, though. It's just about finished. If you want to learn more about Nadine, because she's amazing, like absolutely amazing, you can head over to her website, uh, nadinechampion.com, uh, and download her free ebook, The Five Keys to Winning in Life. There's also some uh, information on there, too, about her upcoming 10 Seconds of Courage course, which just sounds absolutely phenomenal. Thanks so much for being on the podcast this week, guys, and I look forward to talking to you all again next week. Bye.